credit I'm going to give to this to that film is she was willing to show her bush, and that's kind of cool. Radio Drome. Welcome to a very pretentious and art-filled episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the Canadian monkey man himself, the Peter. Full of pure artsy-fartsy. And not artsy-fartsy, but just fartsy, would be the Cecil. Well, after enough chili, I think everybody is. Oh, are you chili? Not anymore. (laughs) If you guys want to help out the show, you guys need a little bit of internet protection out there, you go to Nord. Nord is the best service out there to protect your data and encode your data and allow you to get around, well, basically all the roadblocks that the internet wants to put out there on you. So what you do is you go to 1201beyond.com backslash VPN, and you'll be able to access Nord's site with our code that way, and you'll get 75% off of a three-year plan. That's only, that's only $3.79 a month for Nord's protection, 1201beyond.com backslash VPN. And if you want to plug that artsy-fartsy, you can maybe go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. And come on, Valentine's Day is coming up, so go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, it helps us out, and it helps you out. So tonight, I want to talk about art films, because I don't understand certain artists out there. I will call them artists, even though I can't stand some of the people we're going to talk about tonight. Because I, I made a joke. Now, I do not like Terrence Malick. I cannot stand this man's work. I hate every <laughs> single thing of his I've ever seen. But he has these ardent fans that seem to think everything he does is pure artistic vision. I made this post where it, it was like a, a mustached guy, you know, kind of a hipstery kind of guy, crying, and the post was camera sliding through grass for 20 minutes, and then, it's just pure art! And then under that, Terrence Malick fans. The crap <laughs> I, I got from and this. And you, you ruffled, uh, you actually did ruffle some feathers with that. Yeah, which, because... Which is just sad. I don't know if you guys remember some of the nasty comments I was getting. Like, oh, oh, why don't you go back to watch your Adam Sandler movies and leave the actual art to people who can appreciate it, or I uh, did not understand that comment, because when have you ever praised Adam Sandler? I I think their ideal is, if you don't like Terrence Malick, well then you only like stupid shit. Because like oh, you an, must an, only like uh, lowbrow stuff. Another one of the comments was, well, I guess if it doesn't have robot dinosaurs, people getting pissed on, I guess it's not entertainment for you and stuff like, you know, it was basically, you don't appreciate God. art. And I'm just going to say it right now. Terrence Malick is the biggest fucking fart sniffer I have ever seen in my life. And, and Noah, I'm going to take that back. His fans are the biggest fart sniffers I've ever seen in my life. I oh, literally can't, st- okay, you can give or take Terrence. Malik. His fans are the f- 
fucking worst. They are yeah. the most pretentious, head up their own asses, colon lickers out there. I hate Terrence Malick fans. No, they're really entitled and definitely very, very up their own ass. And they think that because they watch a Terrence Malick film, they're like, they're inherently more cultured than you and smarter than you. And it's like, I really don't see, I've seen a few of his movies and I really don't think there's anything all that deep there. I, I don't even think like, sure. They're competently shot, I guess, but I really just don't see how they're like these amazingly artful films when there's all these other, all these other directors that are a hell of a lot more unique and do something a lot more different um, in a much better way, at least in my opinion, I'm sure we're going to, we're going to talk about some of those, but yeah, the, the fans of his, I I think they're just like very baseline. I like art films, but I don't know that many artsy directors. But hey, Terrence Malick is out there and I'll just I'll just say that I like his work because they, they really don't watch a lot of movies and it's not necessarily a bad thing that you don't but these people pretend that they're these like highly enlightened uh, cinephiles and, and art movie fans and they probably don't really watch a lot of movies over the year i like a lot of art films there's a lot of films that uh, they do things in a certain way and it's different and i like when you get something that has a lot of visual storytelling oh, or yeah. you like something that is really deep i don't mind it when they go off the rails as far as maybe sometimes a scene does go on a little bit long because it's a really pretty shot or something yes, yes but it all comes down to the sum of its parts you know if you have a movie where it's trying too hard and scenes are running on too long and dialogue is there that doesn't necessarily need to be there and it just it feels bloated for the sake of being art well that's when i have a problem uh, i've said mm. it before the thin red line is the worst movie i've ever seen and i've sat <laughs> through some terrible movies and people yep. say well why you know why is it the worst and i'm like well take the worst movie you've ever seen most bad movies are you know about 90 minutes long or whatever so this movie was three hours long and so take the worst and, movie you've ever seen and watch it twice and you've got the thin red line thin red and line. And Cecil, that movie had a ton. Uh, that had almost hours of cut footage. There are whole actors who shot on that movie for weeks who are not in the final cut at all. George Clooney said he was happy to have not been in the movie, even though he <laughs> shot for a month on that film. Wasn't, yeah. uh, isn't there like a deleted scene from like Mickey Rourke or something too? He There's a lot of briefly. name actors that were cut out of that movie. Yeah, oh God, what a... Just sounds like an awful production. Bad because there are so many scenes that did get cut of actors and whatnot, like you were mentioning, to make way for elongated scenes of nothing like there's scenes <laughs> of people swimming that goes on forever there's scenes oh of trees God. there's and it's like oh it's about the emptiness of war and it's just like okay yeah Do you know how many you other movies presented show that, that better in a better way like, fucking first blood shows that better than than red line does films like this a haunting exploration of the meaning of life death and war through the eyes of a group of disenchanted soldiers oh jack Ugh. me off i want to see that movie i don't know what movie oh, yeah. he saw but i didn't see that movie i saw a piece of shit. we saw that movie um that movie was basically apocalypse now i actually i actually have apocalypse now on my list but all right so an art film is described as a typically serious independent film usually aimed at a niche audience rather than a mass market audience. It is intended to be a serious artistic work, often experimental and not designed for mass appeal, made primarily for aesthetic reasons rather than commercial pro product, commercial profit, and contains unconventional or highly symbolic content." Uh, 
quote. Basically pretentious movies, because (laughs) it's the whole art versus commerce. Now, there's a big difference here. A lot of people will be like, oh, so what you're saying is if the movie's good, then it's trying to be an art film. No, it's not. Because, like, Network is one of the greatest movies ever made. I would never call it an art film. There's a lot of great movies that are not trying to be art films. An art film, and and this is built into it, has a certain kind of pretension built into it, I think. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, necessarily. Someone like Malick goes crazy with it. Malick has this thing, he's not making films, he's making art. And art can't be constrained by the studio system or by a script. He rarely uses a script anymore. He just tells the actors, this is what you're feeling, go. Almost every one of his movies is about looking back at the past and feeling bad. Here's the thing I don't get about Terrence Malick and his fans. Every actor in Hollywood wants to work with him. He he has had some some of the biggest movie stars in the world in his movies in the last 10 years, and no one goes to see it because he's actually are like, oh my god, I want to want I want to work with Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick, he's an actor's director. I want to work with Terrence Malick. The thing is, these movies first, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I don't know how he's getting his funding. A Terrence Malick film, on average, costs between one to one point five million dollars, and they generally make between eight hundred thousand and nine hundred thousand dollars. He has wow. not made a movie that has made a profit in over fifteen years. <sighs> What? Who is bankrolling this? Who keeps going, yes, Terrence, please go make us your art that will lose us money. Please, who is, because clearly Terrence Malick fans, you see all these Terrence Malick fans, oh my god, you, you, you only like Adam Sandler movies, he actually makes art that means something, blah, blah, blah. No one's going to see these fucking films. <laughs> he keeps losing money. Who is paying for these things. Maybe it's something through like what Uwe Boll was doing where they can take a they can cut it as a loss and claim it as a tax write-off. That's a possibility because yeah, be. because he, now here's the thing. Terrence Malick is also because he makes art not commerce. He 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 will not have his picture taken normally. There's very few photographs of him. He won't do commentaries, he won't, you know, explain the meaning, he won't do behind this. He's he's very one of those I made the art and the art will speak for itself. He actually doesn't speak like that, but I'm just, you know, doing the pretentious <laughs> art critic thing. That's and, the kind of uh, energy that he has. Well, Fred Fritz actually has a great theory about it, that what if oh. Terrence Malick is actually not a man, but a Alan Smithy type pseudonym when a director wants to step out of their, their general niche? Like, what if Uwe Boll said, I want to make an art film, and he, he does it under the Terrence Malick name, and Michael Bay maybe really made, maybe really made To the Wonder? and things like that. And Terrence Malick is just like this Alan Smithy type credit that they're all using. Oh, that would be interesting. And considering how like borderline baseline generic his movies are and so like pseudo intellectual and, and very, very extremely pretentious, I could totally see them being these like experiments for other filmmakers as like an Alan Smithy thing. It probably isn't the case. I mean, Ter- Terrence Malick. Oh no, just, I guarantee it's not, but it's just a, it's just, it's, it's just kind just of a, a fun hack. idea yeah. Fred had. But, but that would be a really really fun uh reveal that would be a brilliant movie 
Like, <laughs> that would be better than, and and make no mistake, like, look, I don't like Terrence Malick's stuff. I've seen a few of his movies. I don't like him. The wor- like I said, the one is the worst movie I've ever seen. I absolutely feel I don't want them to not exist. If there's an audience that does appreciate them, producers that are willing to fund this, then okay, fine. I'm not going to watch them. They're not aimed at me, but there are is an audience out there that enjoys them. But yeah. you can't go and claim that, oh, well, you know, this is good and then something else shouldn't exist. My only thing is if you've got something that continues to exist, you're trying to say that, uh, well, we need more of this. Well, you know, all right, maybe we do. Maybe you appreciate that. But the market will dictate, you know, for better or worse, what more we get. The reason why we get what we do is there's people that go out and buy the tickets to see what they're seeing. And the, the shit that does better, it tends to be the stuff that we get more of. That's kind of how it is. But there's also this pretension, not with, you know, Malik, can make the movies he wants to make. I agree with you on that, Cecil. His fans make it so much worse. <laughs> His fans make make it unbearable to even want to see a Malick movie. Because, like, <laughs> Terrence Malick films tend to have this, this sort of unstructured, just whatever I want to shoot kind of thing. It's uh, There was a, a, a guy on YouTube, I can't remember his name, he described a Terrence Malick movie perfectly. It's like attempting to describe a dream to somebody that you yourself only half remember. That's what it's like to watch a Terrence Malick movie. And some wow. people want that. I don't. I want a movie that actually says something. And I've got a list of some exploitation art films that I think are actual art films. Like, yeah. I think Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow from Panos Cosmatos. There's no way you'd say those are not art films. But oh, they're also exploitation great. movies, those are, too. Those are mm-hmm. excellent films, too. Like, they totally work as you could easily say that those are that those are art films because they do have those uh, attributes of holding long on on a shot on a very very pretty shot using color in a very artful way using mood in a very very artful way so pano absolutely is is an art art director but just so much more substance and and style and and just character compared to something as just god awful generic the way a Terrence Malick film is and i and and people obviously like like we've been talking about there's an audience for them but i feel like the audience for a terrence malick film are people that i'm gonna i'm sticking to this they're people that probably don't watch a lot of other movies and they they feel special knowing about about terrence malick there's there's also a a weird thing about especially when and and i do consider this movie i'm going to bring up an art film i didn't happen to like it but like under the skin under the Mm. skin okay it is what it is you like it i didn't on the other (laughs) hand as soon as you point out that it's just an art film remake of Toby Hooper's Life Force, they go nuts on you. <laughs> because, th- no, th- that was a big, but that was a canon movie. No, that 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 had movie stars in it. And I mean, I know Scarlett Johansson's movie star, but no way. And y- y- <laughs> well, Johansson is the biggest female movie star, I believe, currently running. I, I know, but if you've seen. And you know what? I'm going to, the, the credit I'm going to give to this to that film is she was willing to show her bush. And that's kind of cool. I'm she, just, she showed everything. Yeah. yeah. It, she showed what was underneath, too, as a black alien. Or like, I can, I can appreciate what it was trying to do aesthetically i don't know if i would ever watch it again but i i definitely think it's more of an interesting sort of concept and more of an interesting art film than like the the baseline junk of of stuff like uh like like a terrence malick film and, and stuff like that like i think at least it was trying to do something in an interesting way but you can't also tell me it's not an art
art film remake of Life Force. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it totally is. There's a lot of similarities there. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night is absolutely an art film. That's it, a great film. It's in Persian. It's in black and white. It's set in Iran, although it was shot in Los Angeles. And it's about a skateboarding Muslim vampire. And when you watch this, you, you think to yourself, this is re- trying really hard to be an art film and an exploitation film. It really is. <laughs> It's really good though. I I actually have I have seen that one. Uh, I thought liked, it was excellent. I liked it a lot too, and I was shocked to find out that it was shot. What was it in California? Yeah, it was shot in L.A. <laughs> like I I was I was like, oh wow! I really thought that this was a uh, you know shot elsewhere, and they uh, they did a, a good job with it. I thought it was a, a neat movie, um, and absolutely an art film. Really, it ticks all the boxes, so to speak. Yeah. But then but then remember what happened when Joe Bob showed it. His fans revolted. They wanted nothing thing to do with this they actually thought he was trolling them at first by even showing this movie they're like why are you showing us this on your drive-in type movie oh, show god and it, and it was like oh and i'm gonna get a little pretentious here oh how dare we actually pretend to give you something that has meaning to it <laughs> well it's such an odd thing like people don't seem to understand certain fundamentals like i get crap when i'll do a, a movie you know i'll do something like blade or, or i'll cover something like demolition man and yeah. uh, how can you talk about this movie it, and i'm like did you not hear me praise the film for 20 minutes i'm like look beyond the title of the show and the same thing with uh, with joe bob is there they tune in and they think it's just going to be this schlock a lot of what he covers yeah it is schlock but he it's it's entertaining schlock there is value there and then he will point out something that maybe you may have overlooked or maybe you may not have uh, really thought to check it out he's yeah. trying to expand your mind so to speak and there's exactly. so many people a combination of new audience and old audience that they just they don't get it and it's kind of sad really plus it's it's not even like the the first time he's shown a movie like that like he's also on his new drive-in show he's he's done like henry like henry and stuff like that so he's not always just doing pure schlock kind of stuff like he the man himself uh john bloom is his actual name yes he is just a full-on full stop like cinephile like he loves films he loves all sorts of films and obviously his his bread and butter is kind of the the horror film that seems to be what he's really really into but the guy watches a lot of movies over over the year like every year he watches crap tons of, of new stuff of old stuff and covers all these different things in, in, in the columns that he writes for and stuff so I think people often forget that he's not just this quirky host guy that you know talks about these schlocky movies like he also really has an appreciation for for drama for comedy for the art films and everything so I'm I'm really happy that he he showcased a film like like a, a girl walks alone at night I think that's really really awesome but then the there are certain things built into an art film like Let the Corpses Tan a movie from last year it, it, <laughs> as soon as I start to describe it you'll go oh my god this is an art movie w- without ever seeing a frame it is a Belgian made film shot in the Greek Isles all shot in French 
and it, it's shot like a 70s Italian film. And you're just mm. like, as soon as I describe that, you're like, oh, somebody's trying to make an art film, aren't they? <laughs> well, I mean, I would technically consider some of those um, 70s directors to definitely, and 60s and 70s Italian directors of of this, uh, the style that the Let the Corpse Stand is trying to capture. Like, I, I don't care if uh, if I get called an asshole for it by anybody. I, I think Mario Bava is pretty much an art director. Sure, an exploitation art director but his movies so is our so is argento dude argento of course is a total art director i mean he he makes like very violent graphic horror films but look at the aesthetics there look at how he's not afraid to to hold on on a really really pretty shot the the use of color the use of mood like a lot of those um italian directors were were definitely artists in their own way bava for sure argento absolutely they're they're definitely more artful than a lot of the like American counterparts of of those sorts of uh, splatter and uh, unseen killer kind of movies. It was very much a, an art film. It was a stylish thing mixed in with exploitation. So that um, I guess it's more kind of expanding the concept of what an art film is because some people will just look at an art uh, when they hear the word art film they automatically think slow boring pretentious and yes that describes a lot of art films but <laughs> describes a also, terrence malick movie it describes a terrence yep. malick film but <laughs> you can have art films that are slow yes but are also pretty interesting they're doing a lot of uh you know show me don't tell me they're doing a lot of visual storytelling yeah and I think that that is one of the major keys. And that's usually what ends up making something more interesting. If you have something that's really good looking and you have a good enough pace and you have a sense of visual storytelling where you're not bored by it, it takes a very, very talented person to be able to pull it off properly. Yeah. And uh, you can do it and do it well. I think that there's a, a variety out there. Um, another one, I know we were arguing about this last week. Spring Breakers is god awful, but it is absolutely an art film and it's trying to be an art film and i think that's the other thing harmony corinne if- is a hack he's terrible <laughs> he's absolutely terrible i every spring break forever spring break. take a look at my shit Oh, I had so many people arguing with me about that where, oh, it's supposed to be like a lucid dream. And OK, oh, fine. It still stinks. God. Like, stop trying to defend this piece of garbage. It's, no. it's a terrible. Uh, OK, fine. You liked it. Great. I didn't. So you should respect that as well. But then there's something to be said, like, now this next director I'm going to bring up, I have two movies on my list that I think are art films from him, his non-studio pictures, and that would be Orson Welles. When he's working for a studio, he would make a generally conventional picture, although I don't think anybody could say Citizen Kane was a conventional picture, but you get my drift. But when you look at, like, F for Fake or Other Side of the Wind, you can't say he was not trying to make a goddamn art film within the constraints of what a regular mainstream movie would be but then there's like do i even need to bring up eraser head obviously that's an, i mean anything david lynch touches besides maybe dune is an art film <laughs> even, even dune, dune was yeah. fairly like uh like even dune was pretty artistic for what it was like there's a lot of uh, like amazing production in that film and a lot of really 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 well well done shots and 
the general aesthetic of it is really good. I mean, the, the film is a mess, but it's a it's a fantastic looking mess. And and yeah, that's another very much an art director. Uh, David Lynch makes art films. You know, film films like Blue Velvet and stuff are totally totally artsy, but they're done in such a fantastic, awesome, unique way. And there's like a strange humor to them. There's a strange darkness to them. Definitely not afraid to to hold on again, holding on the pretty shot. Just just everything about what he does is is very I mean there are, there are terms coined like if something is Lynchian you know like he's definitely established himself as a very unique and creative uh, art director that that a lot of people know today and, and for good reason because he's just so stunningly good at what he does and see to me when it comes to Lynch I'm generally a fan but then I and I don't know if he was he was trolling the audience or not but like in Twin Peaks The Return he either went crazy and stuck his head up his own ass or he <laughs> was like oh you people want twin peaks i'll give you a fucking twin peaks because <laughs> you, you could swear that there were some of those episodes directed by terrence malick but they were all directed by david lynch but he was so far up his own ass with twin peaks the return i don't know what happened but then there's I something don't, i don't think uh i think the task itself just probably wasn't easy i mean twin peaks probably lasted as long as it did back in the day for a reason because that's just not not an easy show to continue and there's a lot of very weird and interesting and pretty insane themes in it and and to try to to try to replicate the the magic of that i just i could see it being a very daunting task but then there's something like 2001 a space odyssey which is one of the most boring films ever made but (laughs) but honestly it's stanley kubrick having talked a major studio into allowing him to make an art film it's just a bad one i personally don't think it's bad like on an aesthetic level it's a great looking movie i just consider it to be boring as sin uh, just the just the slowest movie he's made and it's not one that i i revisit often in fact i think i've only seen it like like once and then i've seen clips of it here and there afterwards but like as far as his work goes i can respect 2001 for as just great as it looks but i'm always gonna go back and watch something like like full metal jacket or the shining instead oh i love 2001 but it's a movie that you really got to dedicate yourself to watch because it it is it it's just is is there a word that's slower than slow I don't know. It it does, but it for some reason I think it works. But it's not a movie that I care to watch very often. It's a movie I've only seen a handful of times. But it is incredibly yeah. slow. And I would kind of in in another way for a movie that is that you can appreciate but you don't watch a lot is Martyrs. I think Martyrs is an absolutely fantastic movie that I've seen once. I loved it. I think it is amazing, but I really can't bring myself to watch it again because in this case, it's a really tough sit. It's not yeah. that it- Whereas 2001, it's tough because it's slow, but there's something about it that really is entertaining and interesting. Martyrs, it's just rough because it's brutal. And I mean, and the the, the director, even at at the very beginning of the movie, he even has a little two minute thing where he's like, I made this movie with the intention of making an incredibly divisive film. I recognize that people are going to appreciate or I recognize that people are going to hate it and other people are going to like it. He's like, I wanted to make it and I just appreciate people taking the time to watch it so he recognized that it was going to be a movie that was going to be either loved or hated 
or appreciated for what it was. That's kind of where I stand on that in a, in a similar nature. I think a lot of art films, I like them. I think that they're really good. You know, Eraserhead, uh, Let the Right One In. Although Let the Right One In, I think is something is I, it has a little bit more rewatchability. But there's a lot of art house films that you can only watch a handful of times before being like, okay, good. I don't really need to see that again. For me, the the example, my my martyrs would be the the Harvey Keitel, Abel Ferrara, Bad Lieutenant. I was just, oh. I was going to bring that up. That's actually, I'm, I, I do consider Bad Lieutenant to be an art film. It's just oh, totally. a pure exploitation is, art film. Ferrara is absolutely an, an artful director, and I would even say an art director. Like, look at look at examples like Miss 45, Driller Killer, um, obviously Bad Lieutenant as well. There, there's a very art film quality to Abel Ferrara's work. He's just really... His films are just incredibly nihilistic. At least a lot of them are, especially especially Bad Lieutenant. It's a very, very, very mean, mean-spirited film that does not necessarily leave you feeling great at the end of it. And it's in a very good, intentional way. You're, you're not meant to feel happy after that film. If anything, I think it's more of like like a catharsis that you're feeling at the end of that one. I have seen it. Uh, I have seen it like a handful of times because I just I love the I love Keitel's performance in it, and I love the way it looks. I love the overall feel and mood of it but i can only really watch it once every every several years or something like i just sat down and watched it uh last month and the last time i had watched it i think was seven years ago i want to say but i just really felt in the mood to, to sit down and watch it and of course it, it left me with the usual mood it tends to leave me in uh, which is like somber and a little bit depressed but happy to have watched it but then on the other hand what about every single thing at Alejandro Jodorowsky is touched. You can't tell me the Holy Mountain is not his f*** you to Hollywood, I'm making an art film movie. <laughs> well, yeah. Especially the ending. I mean, the very ending is absolutely a straight middle finger to Hollywood. I mean, I'll, I'll bring this up anytime the dude's uh, name is mentioned. I really wish he would have made his Dune film. Oh, it would have been a disaster of a of a, of a Dune adaptation, but a, a glorious Star Wars-y kind of knockoff pre-Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> the most like the most artistic Star Wars knockoff film ever possibly oh yeah i mean i i like a lot of that stuff it's very weird and i i like when if you're gonna do uh an adaptation like that there is something about taking it so far off the rails his movie would have just been bonkers yeah and i really would have loved for that to exist that's the thing right now that i'm kind of tired of like we're getting uh all these remakes and i'm like all right you know you're just making these remakes you're doing these really awful copy paste versions of the same movie just with different actors and slightly updated special effects if i would love for one of them to take something and just go nuts with it just be yeah. like okay this is completely different from what you would be expecting and i i think there's a better chance that we'd actually get something worthwhile instead of just oh great aladdin I mean, oh great! A you know, a a fully CGI Lion King, and now we're getting a <laughs> we're getting a fully CGI Bambi because the we're world was do crying another, out for that. another Black Christmas. Yeah, another exactly another. To give credit where credit is due, the the new I haven't seen the new Black Christmas, but it sounds god awful. But <laughs> does at least sound like they did go bonkers with it. 
I mean, it in the is, wrong has, direction, in the, the wrong, wrong way, but, in the wrong way, but it still was something different. So I, it, it didn't work. It's probably terrible. I am willing to give it honest approach when I finally do watch it, but everything that I have on stumbled upon it just sounds hysterical and sounds like maybe if they would have called this something else, it wouldn't have gotten so much ire, but the mm. fact that they were kind of aping, you know, black Christmas, it already is going to get people pissed off i'm gonna name three giant studio films that i think are actual art films and they're by directors i think really have talent natural born killers apocalypse now and brazil you can't tell me those are not absolute art films that somehow someone talked a studio into releasing a major oh, studio 100 absolutely Abs- i mean there's there's no i i don't even think that's up for debate they're absolutely art films i mean they're all they all tick all the right boxes they're bizarre they're shot in a unique way there's a lot of i don't want to like i don't want to say pretentious because i mean pretentious is a negative thing but it's just there is a lot of (laughs) there is a lot of pretentiousness in them but in this case like i can't really think of another word to describe it yes like something like natural born killers it's just you know you tell me another oliver stone film that really kind of fits into that vibe he absolutely was able to convince them to to make an art house film an art house serial killer film and apocalypse (laughs) apocalypse now like you said it ticks every one of the boxes brazil i'm talking the full cut not what what universal released in 1985 brazil is actually so weird i still can't believe a major studio made that film (laughs) it's totally bizarre but then you've got something like now this one might be a little bit weird canon's barfly I think Barfly mm, yes. actually is, it, it might not succeed 100%, but it's what, 95%? It's an art film. Yes, I know it. I know the, it's the Charles Bukowski kind of biography thing, but to me, Barfly <laughs> is a damn art movie. Yeah. Was there any point where it wasn't? I, I've always considered it to totally be an art film, and, and an excellent one at that. I, I would I would maybe consider that to be both Mickey Rourke's and Frank Stallone's best performances ever. They're both uh, really great. I mean, Mickey work absolutely kills it. And it's a shame. Like you're watching that and it's, it's like, why did it take so long for him to kind of, for people to realize that Mickey Rourke is a fantastic actor. You go back, <laughs> like, look at how many great movies he's done. Look at the variety of films that he's done. Yeah, and it Pope, took, like, Pope the Grinch wrestler Village. and all this. Yeah, Pope of Grinch Village, freaking even Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Oh, he's, he's great he's in that. He's great. He claims he, like, hates the film. Both both him and Don Johnson crapped all over it's it. It's a great they movie. Did. They yeah, were both but, awesome know, in it. They were, but, yeah, it was a fantastic, like, I mean, the chemistry between those two, you had no problem believing that they were lifelong friends no not at all barfly and uh uh, what was that johnny handsome like the variety of movies that he's done and the different characters that he's played and then all of a sudden like the wrestler comes out which is a fantastic movie but then they're like oh mickey work is great i'm like i've known this for 30 years okay okay (laughs) then all right speaking of mickey rourke even though he only has a small role in it what about fade to black Mm. I, i think fade to black half of it is an art film half of it i love tim thomerson please don't think i'm insulting the man his character 
character could have been completely cut out of the movie and it wouldn't have affected the film at all. I think, mm. like, all the stuff with him doesn't work. All the stuff with Dennis Christopher is amazing. I think Fade to Black is partially an art movie. Or do you disagree? I can see elements there for sure. I definitely think it's a unique movie. It very much has its own style and it's really, really great. And and, and again, even for the very minor role in it that Mickey Rourke has, he just always, always not, at that time especially, was always knocking out of the park. And, and in a weird way, Fade to Black is almost an anti-art film because... The whole point of Dennis Christopher's Descent into Madness is he's getting so much into and reading so much into movies, he's losing his mind. Isn't Fade to Black almost an art film cautionary tale? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He's he's kind of getting drawn into that world and he's slowly going crazy is really what yeah. it is. I mean, he's already, he kind of starts crazy, but then it just gets crazier, I guess would probably yeah. be the problem. But yeah, I think it's a, it's kind of a cautionary tale. And then there's something like, I did not like this movie. I get why people do, but I do consider it an art film from like, I don't know, two, three years ago, The Vavitch. I didn't uh, like it. Oh, dude. The, oh, The Witch is so good. The Vavitch. I, That's the way they uh, spell it with two Vs. So it's a The oh, Vavitch. No, it's not. It's not. It is. There was something. Uh, I forget now. I don't remember. But it was, it was something about that was the, the way that the Ws were written back at that time period. Or it was I, I know, but I'm just saying when you see the logo, it says The Vavitch. I know, but it's being, but it's still, it's witch, but it, I, God, I forget what the thing was, but it made sense. But so, like, okay, I didn't like the movie, but I understand why people do, but I do consider it an art film. Oh, it's absolutely yeah. Oh, for sure. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna tick off a couple ones here that at first might sound like I've got my head up my own ass, but think about them for a moment. Never! Me? Never. <laughs> THX 1138. Yes. Yes. Evil Dead 2. Yes, I do consider Evil Dead 2 an art film. Sure. Uh, I don't I, I don't, don't know. know. I would more I would honestly more consider the first one to be more of an art film. No, nah, it's just an independent film. But then Wizards Ralph Bakshi's Wizards, I think, is an art film. I think A Boy and His Dog is an art film. We'll talk more oh, about that next yeah. week. Absolutely. Lady Snowblood. Yes. Yeah, the movie that uh, partially inspired uh, Kill Bill. Uh, yes. Partially? He copied it, man. I mean, <laughs> you, you go watch Lady Snowblood, and then you watch Kill Bill, and you're like, we've got another city on fire case of plagiarism here. Yeah, there's so there's so much in there. that it, It's not inspire. It's okay. he copied Lady Snowblood. There's even the anime <laughs> scene. There's even, uh -huh. remember, in Kill Bill, there's the animated sequence. Right. That, there's in Lady Snowblood, there's the, the manga sequence, and he oh. copied that movie it's plagiarism well, the, again the animated um the animated segment in kill bill even is kind of like a like a manga looking thing yeah so no yeah. he he copied I, lady snowblood i need it's been a while i don't i honestly just i'll, I'll have to check it out again but uh, okay i'll take your word for it another movie that uh, you haven't mentioned that i really think does fall into art house is the original wicker man yes i really think that that is very much an art film experimental weird definitely unorthodox totally but then you also get sometimes, there was a film from last year called Under the Silver Lake that was mm. trying so hard to be an art film. And I think it didn't work because it was trying so hard to be an art film. Now, this is going to be another dividing line between all the Terrence Malick fans that are going to send me hate mail, which I encourage. I think this is just an exploitation movie. I don't like it. There are so many people that consider this an art movie, and it's not. And that is Sallow, 100%. 
120 Days of Sodom. Mm. So many people are like, oh, it's so artistic. Okay, if Sallow is an art film, then so is a Serbian film, grotesque, and murder set pieces. And, and trust me, Holocaust. and trust me, those are not fucking art films, and neither <laughs> is Sallow. Get your head out of your own ass and stop literally being a shit eater. And that brings me to, I feel like this is a perfect segue into Lars von Trier. Oh, he's on my list, oh. too. Because I, I, wanted to, I hate I him, man. For, I hate him so much. I was waiting for something like Sallow to be brought up, because every time that's brought up, I think of von Trier's movie Antichrist, which a lot of people praised, claiming like it's this, oh, it's so different, it's so artistic, and it's so brave. And it's like, it's just an exploitation film, and not even a very good one at that. It's just trying so hard to be shocking. You know, there's the, the genital mutilation that fits with exploitation, the particularly blood. the and stuff like when he gets when he comes blood after getting his dick hit with a hammer, you know the the woman like chopping up her own uh, her own bits. It's a total exploitation movie, but yet it gets praised by all the butt sniffing art critics. While the same ones will like crap all over something like Cannibal Ferox or something and deem it trash because it was made by Umberto Lenzi or whatever the. F- but yet they'll just praise uh, a Lars von Trier film to the moon, to the moon and back because oh, it's 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 really brave content you know it's like no it's just it's a sleazy exploitation movie and it makes me hate it so much that people ignore those those um aspects of it and just claim that it's like oh it's an it's an art movie while turning up their noses at like 70s and 80s drive-in exploitation movies and stuff which it's really it's more it's the same thing with Stallow too and, th- and that was a film of that of that era of that like that 80s exploitation era and it's just it's just trash it's clearly just trying to it, be it's almost as, like, literally torture porn it, yeah, it's just trying. Yeah, it's it was kind of a, the hostile of its time. And it's just trying as, as hard as it can to be as like shocking and gross and, and you know, challenge people's senses and stuff like that. I, I would consider Bruno Matai to be more of, a, of an art director than the dude that made Sallow, because like, look at some of Matai's movies and how gorgeous they look like rats looks amazing. Women's Prison Massacre looks awesome and has uh, that great downbeat ending to it weird it's weird to me what filmmakers get considered as art directors and the other ones that just get completely left by the wayside that are actually really talented at what they do and make much better much more aesthetically pleasing films like while everybody raves about malik and von trier and people like that names like panos cosmatos tend to get left by the wayside names like nick reffin seems seem to be ignored a lot and i would even consider adam weingard as well the these are some some guys that make some really fantastic films since and for me since seeing it i believe it was 20 i think it was like 2011 or 2012 i forget exactly when drive came out but nicholas reffin's drive an absolute art film it's it's sort of in a in a michael mann style but it's also got like kind of italian aesthetics to it i feel like reffin as a director really very much is an art director there's other huge examples of this film films like bronson films like uh only god forgives uh his pusher films those are, these are totally art films, but more like like urban crime with with art uh, infused into them. Say Ty West's House of the Devil, which is an amazingly artistic film, and we get to see that 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 stupid bitch get her head blown off, which is great. So these are names that people, if you really claim that you like art films and artistic films and artistic directors, maybe shove aside Malik and Von Trier for a moment. And you know what? I'll even I'll even give Von Trier some credit. The house that Jack built was really. F- up and 
I think I enjoyed it, and I definitely liked it more than Antichrist and his other films. But again, push some of those to the side and, and check out some of the, not only the ones, not only the names I've listed, like Refin and, and Ty West and, and people like this and Panos Cosmatos, but Diesel's mentioned some great names. Josh has mentioned some, some great names. So get a chance with some of these other other great filmmakers that really do make art films if you if you really claim to be as into artistic films and, and art house films as you so claim to be. The ultimate with Lars von Trier, where you could separate the fart sniffers from anyone else, was his film Nymphomaniac. That like three, oh, two or three God. part. The whole thing is we've got major movie stars. It's unsimulated sex, and all the critics were like, "But this is not pornography. This is art." He's using the sex so in an artistic bad, way. It's not yeah. pornography, even though you're seeing the actors actually screw and come shots and everything. They specifically would go out of their way to go, "But this isn't porn. This is art." So you've seen Rinse Dream movies then? Because <laughs> Rinse Dream makes art. He just happens to make it with cum shots. Gonna bring up Nymphomaniac. Like, how is this not like art it is, is porn. It's the movie that he wanted to make, but how is it not porn? Like it's, it, it, it's, it's as much it's uh, absolutely it's as much porn. porn. It's as much porn as porno Holocaust is. Sure, okay, fine. It has a story and all that, but there's still unsimulated sex in it. It yeah. is, you know, and it is done in a way. Okay, it's telling the story, but it's also done in a way to titillate. It's done in a prurient manner, which also is why I want to pivot into Rinse Dream. Rinse Dream would make some of the most artistic day glow nightmare pornos you've ever seen you guys know when you see a, a steven sadie and rinse dream movie nothing looks like that anywhere else doesn't it <laughs> nothing no, whether it's porn or mainstream he has a style that is so all on its own even when he worked for hustler larry flint was like i don't even know what this is the definition of obscenity there is no <laughs> a definition of obscenity but a lot of judges will say i know it when i see it and that's yeah. the way it kind of comes to art i can't define it but i know it when i see it and when i see rinse dream i see a freaking artist because I would love to do a Rinse Dream retrospective on this show. Maybe before be the year, before the year's over, I'm going to force you guys to watch all of his weirdo movies. Although I do need help finding a couple of them. If you guys have the Untamed Cowgirls of the Wild Wild West movies, I need those. Those are the only ones in his filmography I can't find. When it comes to art films, other directors... I think Richard Stanley, okay, Hardware might not be an art film, but Dust oh, Devil absolutely is. Dust Devil is without a doubt an art film with exploitation trappings. I absolutely think Hardware is is an art film, because for one, Stanley has caught to saying that he was very influenced by the style of Dario Argento for it, so I would consider that, if, if that's what you're trying to, that's the aesthetic you're trying to capture, then it's absolutely an art film, and it's a very well-made one. I, I love I love Hardware and Dust Devil, and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, seeing Color Out of Space as well, because that one definitely looks like it has a real artistic quality to it. Well, but then there's also something like, I can't stand this man, but everyone's like, oh, Ari Asher, he doesn't make movies, he makes art. And then okay. all I can say is, yes, that's why I was bored to fucking tears with Hereditary. I kept screaming at that movie, do something! I was excited about Hereditary because everybody was raving about how it was amazing new uh, horror voice and whatnot. And I watched it. I, I 
could have probably cut about 20 minutes out of the film, maybe more, of just a lot of nonsense. He would just They're, hold like, on people's faces for like a minute and a half, and you're like, do something, please! With Hereditary, I wanted to like it. I really did. I gave it a very, I gave it a shot. I really tried. It just, it was just way too much nothing i like mm. they i felt they did kind of stick the landing i was like okay that's really kind of cool i wasn't expecting that oh the but ending took- got me so angry i was so pissed off and like all of this build up and that is how you're gonna uh, end it fuck you I don't know. I don't know. I kind of thought it was a neat way to do it, but it was just, it was so unbelievably boring. And people are like, oh, you just, again, you don't like. And Cecil, I'm like, no, th- that's exactly like what witch. happened. Yeah. When I put my review of Hereditary up on YouTube, those were the comments I got. Go back to watching Adam Sandler movies. You know, this is a movie that actually makes you think and you have to have a brain to appreciate. I got all of that shit, but Hereditary fucking sucks. And Midsummer is just if The Wicker Man was a hipster movie with its head up its own ass. Ari Asher fucking blows. And all of you people who keep sucking his dick, you can swallow all of his cum that you want. It's not going to seep into your brain and you're not going to get anything out of it. <laughs> going back to Hereditary, I try, like, I do think that it looked good. I do like, uh, what's her name's performance I thought was absolutely fantastic, but it just was not enough to save the tedium of the film. If they could have tweaked it, and I'm not saying they need jump scares. I'm not saying that they need something horrific to happen every five seconds. I just need it to move along at a decent pace. Just mm. don't hang on, like hanging on a shot every once in a while, but they were hanging on every shot. Like I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, cut, cut. You can <laughs> hear, you can cut here. And then it would, and then finally it would go to the next scene. And that just, it, it took me out of the film every time. And after like an hour, I'm like sitting there just chewing my nails. Just like, can we, can we have something happen? Anything happen? I, I think to sum up like the, uh, an art film, you have something like Blade Runner 2049. This definitely wanted to be an art film because the scenes just go on. Like we didn't need to see the entire spinner ride every single time. Yes, it looks beautiful. You also need to know when to fucking make a cut. Blade Runner 2049, you could have cut an hour out of that movie and not lost a second of the story. That's how bloated with, I'm making an art film. And and that's the mentality you tend to get. I'm not making a film, I'm making art. You can call anything (laughs) you want art. You can take a shit and put it in a pizza box and call it art. It's still just a piece of shit in a pizza box. Okay? When it comes to an art film, as I said earlier, pretension is sort of baked into this. There has to be a level of pretension to make an art film. But then what is it that truly separates an art film from a commerce film? For instance, like, we all think Michael Bay is a fantastic visual director and his films look amazing. No one would ever say Michael Bay is trying to make an art film, though. So what is the dividing line between an art film versus a gorgeous film? Because, yeah, you do, bring up, you do bring up a very good point with Michael Bay as far as his, his visual aesthetic goes. Like, there, some of his movies are some of my favorite looking movies. Like, I love the way Pain and Gain looks and the way it's paced, and I love it as a movie. But I wouldn't consider it to be a 
an art movie because at the same time, his movies are very orthodox. They're very lowbrow too. And lowbrow for sure. Yeah. They're very much like humor. Oh yeah. He, he's very much the quintessential American blockbuster box office filmmaker. And he's good at what, what he does and he knows how to, how to get his work marketed. And there are movies of his that I really, really enjoy. Like I, I love, uh, like the rock is, is one of my favorite action movies. And obviously I love, yeah, the Island Mm -hmm. pain and gain. Obviously I, I will talk about that one to death. Just, just to me, one of the most entertaining films in, in recent time you you compare him to other filmmakers that definitely have more uh, and, and we're looking at these these art characteristics art film characteristics uh you know you compare him to the likes of i'll i'll use um someone like like nick reffin uh nicholas winding reffin as an example um his his films are definitely more on the art spectrum they they hold on shots that it's definitely more thought put into the mood there's a lot more show you don't tell you you know there's a i've noticed in characteristic of an art film tends to be a a very lack of a big lack of dialogue it's a lot more to do with the mood and the the way something feels the aesthetic of it all definitely it's it's a lot more of, of of a visually striking sort of medium and that is sort of where i see the the difference between a a gorgeous commercial film and a gorgeous but definitely artistic art house sort of film is that when with the with the art house film it's definitely a lot more show you don't tell you hold on a shot you know a lot more understated whereas like a michael bay film where it'll it could look like equally as great there's a lot more dick joke humor there's a lot more exposition there's a lot more narration and it's just bigger and more more in your face even if the two and i picked these uh the both films like like Reffin's Drive and Michael Bay's Pain and Gain because I consider them to both be beautiful looking movies like just am- amazing to look at and I can I can put on either one and really enjoy my time watching either one and, and, and improve my mood substantially but they're also two extremely different films Pain and Gain is definitely a Hollywood blockbuster style film and Drive is definitely a much more slower much more methodical moody art house film and and in those two lie probably the biggest differences while still being really similar he makes very good looking films but he makes very good looking commercially appealing films whereas art films in a way it's almost to the degree of where you were saying with pornography i don't know exactly what it is but i know it when i see it and i think that with with art house films there is a certain vibe that goes with it you're getting visual storytelling you're getting a very niche content you know you're not going to get a jive talking robots movie art house film art house films are much more niche they are good looking they do tend to run a little bit long there tends to be not as much dialogue there's just a certain vibe to them that they have and maybe one day who knows maybe bay could make uh an art i i guess probably the closest to him making an art film would probably be pain and gain but even yeah. that is that still was, that for him was very much like like a passion project it was a movie he wanted to personally make yeah but- it was very different from a lot of his previous stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 
why a lot of people don't even really realize that it's him. In a lot in a lot of ways, what it comes down to, I think, is like I said, there's baked in pretension, but you have to have that pretension controlled. You can't yes. let it run wild like Malik fans or Ari Asher fans. You can't just or let von it go crazy Lars von Trier. You can't let it just go crazy like that. Which is why I think so many people think Sallow is so great, but then they're like murder set pieces has no artistic value. Murder set pieces <laughs> and Sallow are the same goddamn movie people. Yeah, okay? they are. So mm-hmm. get your head out of your ass. Because I actually think, like I said, with the Terrence Malicks and the Lars von Triers, they can be as pretentious and head up their own ass as they want. They can be colon lickers if they want. Their fans are what make it the worst. And I'm looking forward to having a bunch of emails tell me how I don't know art. Richard Stanley is crap. Rince Dream is crap. But Terrence Malick speaks to the human condition. You know what else <laughs> speaks to the human condition? Me coming on your face. Oh my god. So on that note, if people want to send me hate mail, you can do that at 1201beyond at gmail.com or go to my website, 1201beyond.com. If people want to harass Peter, they can catch him where? Oh, if you want to harass me, I'm I'm very just openly here on, on the Twitters at Cinematica. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, The Cinemasochist. Of course, YouTube, The Cinemasochist as well. You can also find me, 1201beyond.com, with other fine programming. Hell, you could even come and harass me on my Patreon as well at Cinematica. Though, I would I would rather you give me money. But if you want to harass me, that, that's okay, too. I get lonely sometimes, so it's fine. 1201beyond has a Patreon as well. Just go and look for it. So does Radiodrome. But then, Cecil, you should probably not harass, but if you want to tell him how much he outclasses people like Peter and myself, where would you do that? <laughs> oh, I don't outclass anybody. But uh, if you want to if you want to say nice things to me, don't harass me. I don't have time for that. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm busy. <laughs> can tell me nice things over at uh, YouTube, um, Good Bad Flicks, as well as uh, Good Bad Flicks on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and 1201beyond.com. Just everybody with with the way the world is today, everybody just realize that even if you disagree with somebody, there's no reason to be an asshole about it. Yeah. Terrence Malick and Lars von Trier still suck cock, though. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.